tomorrow when you shop. See your next movie completely free. And now, on with the show. Alrighty dudes and dudettes, welcome back to another episode of the Hill Valley AV Club. It's great to see you. Hope you guys are all doing super good. We're here again with another wonderful movie with a couple returning guests uh, joining us again after our awesome review of uh, Black Panther, which I think, I, I swear, is our best episode yet. <laughs> it, it is really good. I, I, I listened to it. <laughs> And I, I mean, I sometimes will do like checks to see like, okay, did it sound good? Did it make it to iTunes? Okay. Does it sound fine? But I just felt compelled to keep listening to it as I drove around. It's the first episode that's done that <laughs> to me. Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah. Nice. So I just <laughs> had to invite you guys be back. Part of that. Yeah. So uh, w welcoming these guys back on their second appearance, uh, the gaming author and Dorcius. Guys, thank you so much for coming back. Okay. I appreciate you. And uh, joining us again as well. Uh, my brother-in-law and a fellow community member, uh, Steel Man Bat. What? What's up? Welcome back, dude. Good to see you. Good to see Glad you. Glad to be here. Well, dudes, obviously this month, guys, we're going to be talking about Valerian, Luke Besson's uh, colorful sci-fi epic. Yes. <laughs> which, uh, I, emphasis on the color. It, it is a colorful yeah. movie. Yes, um, for sure. Yeah. My reasoning for picking this film is not because it is maybe... Not the best example of cinematic excellence, but I think it does some excellent world building, maybe a little too quickly to its fault, but I just felt so enthralled visually. I'm a visual guy. And so okay. when, I, when I see something that's very pretty or, you know, that catches my eye, I just, I get really interested in it. And also I like a unique story. I like a unique idea. And oh, so, sure. yeah, oh, yeah, the idea for this film is, is pretty unique, I would say. Yeah, that... That was actually like the first thing that I really noticed about the film that really jumped out at me was the opening sequence where they're on the International Space Station and then as it continues through time, it just gets more and more components added to it. And it was right. a really, really fascinating way mm -hmm. to set up the entire history of Alpha with no dialogue. Right. Right. And honestly, <laughs> like I think that's that's such a good way. That's that's good storytelling. And I think mm -hmm. that that's good. That's good screenwriting yes. and it's good visual presentation. Like another good example of of, you know, telling a lot of just showing and not have just straight exposition dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. Star Trek Into Darkness, you know, another sci fi movie that maybe didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. But the opening sequence of that, if you guys remember, it's in London. It's that uh, that Starfleet yeah. guy's uh, daughter. Yes. She's dying. And that, yeah. Yes. Zero dialogue. Excellent. Nothing but mm -hmm. music and piano that just sets the tone. You know what's going on. You know his struggle. And you see the choices that he made without a single word being said. So, gaming author, I totally agree. It's a lot of awesome world building just by watching. And I think that's. I think that's the film trying to play on its on its strong suit is like, hey, we're going to show you a lot. Just strap in for a second and get ready to kind of, you know, start paying attention and see some weird things. And it's going to be weird. But, <laughs> but if you just stick yes. with it, it's going to make sense. And you're going to you're going to fit right in real fast. 
Mm-hmm. What was great too about that opening sequence, like y'all were talking about, is that they anchored it in our reality. So as right. weird as the movie gets, we can all relate to it because we all know about the International Space Station and how it builds from that. So that was really cool too, how he did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah, Dorsey's initial thoughts. Yeah, uh, initially, like uh, to go along with that opening, uh, I, I always try to reel in my thoughts just a little bit because I'm like, oh, no, no, think about just the movie, think about the movie. But I'm like, <laughs> man, the fact that we like shook hands with aliens for how long? For this opening, like for like over a hundred years worth of handshakes, you know? yeah, <laughs> and and it worked. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sweet. I want this reality. Yeah, <laughs> like, I want to meet a bunch like... of aliens that don't want to eat me and are interested <laughs> right. in just sharing science or just you know better understanding of the of the universe that'd be a pretty sweet future i'd be open to it heck yeah and if i can have have like you know just playing in the background the ground control to major play in the background whenever that happens i i I was i was cool with that opening that was a plus music choice right there Mm -hmm. a plus absolutely sometimes you gotta like take yourself not seriously enough to just just do that. Like, yeah, just why, why, why wouldn't you? Why yeah. wouldn't you? And also, too, I think it, it sets the tone a little bit as well. You know, it's, Mm-mm. you know, it's like, hey, there's going to be a little bit of fun here, but, right. you know, don't take it too seriously. It's almost like it, it knows, I think, what it is overall. I think the movie understands its identity a little bit. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it when we really start breaking this sucker down. But I do believe there, there could have been some improvements. <laughs> or at least, like, there, there could have been some simplifying. Uh, you know, it, I think it's a good example of going maybe a little too big and maybe trying to get a little too, uh, just getting a little too bloated. But overall, I enjoyed it. But before we start really getting into talking about this movie, because I think there's going to be a lot to talk about, um, I know you guys were just on not too long ago. So, Steelman, I'll start with you first. What have you been watching for the last, you know, couple weeks or so? Um, Last couple weeks... I've been in the movies a couple times, which was fine. I saw uh, just recently. I saw Black Panther again. Nice, which was which was a blast. Uh, my wife uh, went with me the second time because she hadn't seen it, so that was fun to get to. It's I always enjoy watching those movies after you've already seen them, so your kind of expectations are already there, and you can just kind of sit and enjoy the the film for its film's sake. So that was really fun. Loved it. Um, and then I watched Tomb Raider. Uh, I think the week before which I personally really enjoyed. I loved the video game. I played it uh, actually later than everyone else did. <laughs> I was catching up. So I played the video game uh, maybe a year and a half ago. So I thought it was a pretty good middle ground between the video game and then also like the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders. So kind of, uh, it's interesting. I don't know if y'all have seen it yet, but- Have not. Uh, I heard uh, several people say, or at least at least one, uh, review that I read that I agreed with is that not the best movie ever made, but it left him wanting more. So they kind of like created the world a little bit from the video game, honoring okay. the old movies and then kind of set it up for, for another run. And, um, Alicia Vikander does an amazing job. She definitely sells it, uh, which I was nice. not sure she could pull off or not, but did a great job. So. Yeah. That was my reservation. The- seeing the trailers for it was, I, I was, I think when she's in a still image, I think Alicia Vikander kind of looks the part, but I had maybe some reservations on her physical capability of the role. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also like just from a heavy influence from the video game versus uh, what I was seeing on screen. But so in your opinion then, uh, Steel, as far as video game movies go, 
they haven't necessarily done the best or the reception has been pretty bright. Right. Um, right. A lot of people like me and I'm sure others were hoping that this was hopefully going to be maybe the first one to break the mold, you know, kind of like, you know, with Iron Man um, and, and to a degree too, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man kind of bringing comic book movies into popular culture and being accepted and maybe seeing that shift. Do you think this movie did that? I think it did in some ways. Um, just, I, I think so. Here's here's the problem. I think with when you, whenever you get anything like a like a video game or a movie that's based off a video game or off a book, you have these diehard purists of the source material that mm-hmm. they want everything to be exactly that way. And then you've got another group that that they want originality and they want something fresh. And so you got to try to find some middle ground. And I think this one did a little bit of that. So um, it's basically the story of the video game, but they did some fun things to kind of go off of it and to just develop the characters a little bit better, which I think that's ultimately people are wanting a story and they're wanting to connect with the character mm-hmm. and, and to see that world be developed. And I think they laid the foundation for it. The problem is, is they only have like two hours to do that. And so it's, you know, yeah. when you play these video games, you're yes. doing it for 10 and 20 hours. So it's hard to capture that. Mm-hmm. But I think they did a good effort. And uh, and uh, like I said, I think they kind of laid the groundwork. So that's good to hear. To- to answer your question, not really answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, Dorcius, what have you been watching recently? Um, the most recent newest thing uh, that I watched was Pacific Rim 2. Ooh, uh, I want to know a little bit I, about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not as much as the first. Uh-huh. But I I will always have that reservation about anything uh, being a sequel because I it's hard to like recapture that same spirit of me not knowing what Pacific Rim One was going to be. So right. it's hard to like just do that a second time when I'm like, oh, there's kaiju, there's more more giant mechs, and you have Bo- John Boyega. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> say no more. Uh, I will be kind of doubled down on what they had. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, what what I will say uh, without. I was spoiling it for anybody in chat uh, is that I think it did uh, again with kind of like, this is what anime anime would be like in live action, but mm-hmm. they set up a framework that would work well to do another. Mm-hmm. So you, and they used, used some characters in a way that would allow you to do so. Okay. Uh, and, and then that was really exciting to see. Cause I'm like, like, yeah, give me more. <laughs> like, uh, that, that's basically what I what I, I had that feeling for for Pacific Rim too. Is like, yeah, okay, this was great. Now, could you like triple down, quadruple down? <laughs> like, can we like, keep going? Like, right. just give me more. I will sit through like four hours of Pacific Rim if you mm-hmm. make it. Like, that was actually my biggest concern with the original Pacific Rim was I came out of the the theater absolutely loving it. Yeah, but I was so worried it was never going to get a sequel, and we were never going to get more of it because I'm like, okay, every reason why I love this is because I'm already like I am the bullseye for this film's target audience, <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, like, is anybody not in that target audience going to get on board with this film? Right, this is a very specific target you're aiming at. Yes, right. That, it, it, even if it didn't get traction here in the U.S., the fact that it's international box office was so big that we mm-hmm. did actually wind up getting a sequel. 
Yep. I, I really do need to actually get off my butt and see Pacific Rim 2. Because I know, <laughs> know I'm going to kick myself if I don't see it in theaters. Yeah. I want to see it as well. I, I, I'm curious. <clears throat> um, I remember, actually, I think still, I think we saw it together. We did an IMAX. It was amazing. Yeah, that, that yeah. was honestly a really cool spectacle. Like seeing these massive mechs, these massive kaiju, and just fighting all the time. Oh, that was so cool. Honestly, like there's nothing better than like a, I think it was a summer movie. I can't remember. But just yeah. like seeing just, you know, things just smash into right. each other. It's like yeah, I I, you felt like a little kid in the time. sandbox just smashing toys against each other. Well, when they pick up when they pick up the, the giant, you know, freighter. Yes. Yes. It's like a sword or a baseball bat. Just. <laughs> yes. Yep. So good. Oh, we so won't good. tell you about how we actually had swords, but here, use the, <laughs> use the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I, I feel like that boat bat segment is like the perfect encapsulation of Pacific Rim as a whole. Yes. Yeah. Like it's oh, so yeah. ridiculous. It, like on on the face of it, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it's amazingly stupid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just so much pure fun that you don't care. How yeah, you're like I'm, I'm fine is. with this. I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. There might be people yeah. on board. They might all be dead. That's fine. Well, <laughs> it was, and, a, and it was a cool they, bat. Was did they call it the? Did they call it the handshake or whatever? With the minds meld. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, drift, the neural handshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was so, so when, cool. When they explain that, I'm like, I'm not going to question the science. This is beautiful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Glados told me it worked, so it worked. Absolutely. <laughs> what I thought was cool too, like with uh, with the neural handshake in, in Pacific Rim, was um, just the the doctors. You know, very like mm-hmm. anime style characters brought to life, Just, especially oh, yeah. like the one that's like really spastic, you know, and how mm-hmm. much he's like fumbling over his own words, the way he talks. It's like, I've seen this cartoon character before. I've seen yes, this right. guy. <laughs> and, yes. and then you have like mm-hmm. the cool doctor. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is, ah, oh, it was so good. I loved it. I, lo- I, I enjoyed Pacific Rim. It, it's a fun movie. It's fun. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, find a way to check it out. It's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. Don't expect to have your, you know, your mind blown, you know, and think that you just saw like an Oscar worthy film, but it is fun visually. And it's, it's I think it's entertaining. It's entertaining. It's an entertaining film. Well, I the think effects a... are definitely Oscar worthy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The effects are yes. solid. They're very solid. And honestly, too, I think a clever use to have, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's so dark. Why is everything so dark? Why is it raining? It helps sell visual effects a little bit better. You know, things that are bright tend to stand out and stick out like sore thumbs a little bit more. If it's darker, it tends to blend better. And so that, yeah, that was a sure. lot of the reasoning for the the rain and the darkness in terms of like when things were fighting each other. So it was intentional. Yeah, was I intentional. love movies like that, too, because they remind us, you know, it's good to have movies that are art, you know, and Oscars and all that kind of stuff. But it's also good to just have movies for entertainment's sake. Absolutely. And let's not let's not forget that. You know? And sure. I think that's. That's a good point to bring up to kind of circle back to Valerian is that I had a very similar reaction to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets than I that I did the Pacific Rim in the sense that mm-hmm. like it's by no means the perfect movie, but there's so much honest, heartfelt fun to it. Mm-hmm. Even yes. even through some of the pretty glaring issues I had with it in terms of story development and character it's again so much fun that i'm still along for the ride Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 110 i completely agree yep 
Totally agree. Um, so I've been watching too much. I mean, since the last one, having a baby changes things a lot. We have been working on our uh, our Marvel cinematic journey. We're trying to basically we're on the road to Infinity War in our household. Uh, so we actually watched Thor Ragnarok uh, just this past uh, yes. weekend. Yes. Yeah, yes. it was actually Steelman's first time to see it, as well as uh, his wife and my father in law. And so I wasn't we, able to do enough pamphlets for the revolution. I was so good. I, I loved seeing that again. And honestly, I am actually happy that I saw um, Ragnarok because we're actually in far in terms of like um, release order. We're up to Civil War. Technically, this is happening concurrent with Civil War or not mm-hmm. long after in terms of like mm-hmm. the timeline. So for me, it's I'm curious to see how Civil War feels now having seen Ragnarok before it in terms of, you know, like, because I'm okay. during the the Accords and everything and all that, the guy that mm-hmm. I think eventually he becomes Red Hulk, I think, in the comics. Um, but yeah, he's, he he's in there. Yeah, Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, where's Hulk? Where's Thor? You know, if, if Russia or we misplaced two, you know, nuclear warheads, you know, I think some people would be a little concerned. And so it's like, mm-hmm. ah, this is what they've been doing. Yep. And so um, but that's where we are there. And we also just finished uh, Jessica Jones, the second season of Jessica Jones today. Nice. Yeah. Enjoyed yeah, it. I need to pick that back up. I've, I've been doing my own. That's what I've been watching lately is I've been going back through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm up to Captain America Civil War. Nice. Actually, right. Not Civil great. War, uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you're in and, phase uh, two. Yeah. And it was it was kind of funny going back and watching the Marvel movies and it I think it's again kind of keeping Valerian a little bit relevant here it watching the Thor movies again one and two specifically Mm -hmm. really kind of brought home for me the fact that we really do need to have movies that even if they're not great they're still just fun like for me they're they're the they're Thor one and two both have a couple of really big problems Mm -hmm. but at the same time, the bits of them that are good are so good that I'm down to rewatch those movies anytime. Yep. yep. Agree. Like, I know a lot of people kind of yes. poo on uh, on the first Thor, but for me, I think with... Uh, really good. I know, I of think it's ones, excellent. Of all the ones to poo on, it wouldn't be that one. <laughs> I know, seriously. I mean, I mean, Thor is a special place in our house. I mean, uh, Mrs. McFly walked down the aisle to uh, to a Thor song. Uh, but nice. a lot of people think it's not very great. A lot of people don't like it. But I think, you know, with Kenneth Branagh being the director for it, a guy that has a very big theater background, I think brought a lot of like gravitas oh, yeah. to his cast. And it choices. really shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you kind of need to do something with that, with um, with more of a, a royal family or more of a medieval style culture. Right. That has mm-hmm. like that kind of monarchical structure and having people that are classically trained actors as your cornerstones. I think mm-hmm. really kind of helps sell like, yeah, these are regal people. These are royal, you know, people that have, you know, been around that have culture. There's legacy. And um, mm-hmm. so that's that's what I've liked about the first Thor. I still think it's it's great. I mean, the, the Wild West showdown, maybe not so much. Yeah, that's that's actually <laughs> that's actually one of the parts where Thor, the first one, almost completely loses me because it's mm-hmm. so Stupid. Yeah, it, it, you don't want to like Wild West showdown with an unstoppable suit of armor. Like, yeah, that, that's kind of the that's where it's starting to fall apart just a little bit. But once we get back to Asgard for the ending, it's like okay, fine. Yeah, we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like well, let's just get back there. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I totally agree. It's great to have movies that are just fun. You don't need to have like, it's almost, think of it this way too. If, if you're really into food and you really like French food, it's very rich. It's very dense, flavorful food. If you eat that all the time, you die. Just, you die. <laughs> yeah, but you're just going to have a heart attack and die. No, skip the French food. <laughs> yeah, when it's delicious and it's wonderful and you love it, but you can't have it all the time. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you need, you know, you need that cheeseburger, you know, yeah. or you need that piece of pizza. You know, sometimes oh, yes. even bad pizza can still be pretty good pizza because it's pizza. So, and, right. and not yes. to, not to say that, you know, Valerian is, you know, like pizza or a cheeseburger, but I think it's a good example of, you know, you're not going to see like something like shape of water, but visually right. it's not too different in terms of its structure, but it's maybe a little bit more playful and a little bit more out there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, um, but you, there's able, you can have, you know, balance or you can have a full spectrum within sci-fi and still, you know have really excellent stuff but also stuff that's just you know fun tastes good it's great i enjoy it i think valerian oh, mm-hmm. kind of fits that bill yeah uh, for sure totally yeah, absolutely cool it's like the uh it's like to go through like your food analogy like valerian is like my ch- that i like go and stop for after i had that super fancy meal which was like two bites <laughs> Yep. Like I need, I need to have Valerian, otherwise I'm not gonna make it. I can't just survive off of everything else. Because right. like, yeah, I, I I love being intellectual at times, and I but I really like having fun. So <laughs> right, and Valerian's like, hey, have some fun <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and it it Valerian, I I actually when I first started watching it, uh, and we got from the opening sequence to our introduction to the pearls, I guess, is what they're called. Yes. Which, yes. Okay. That, well, that took me a while to figure out too. I was like, wait. Yeah. Wait. And you're like, wait, what <laughs> we'll is that this? name? Why do I want we'll this? let that name sit there for a second. But the thing that I was actually almost laughing about, I'm watching their interactions. I'm observing their body language, their clothing style. And I'm like, is this how these characters are presented in the comics? Or did Luke Besson not so subtly rip off the Navi from Avatar. <laughs> there's a lot of similarities there. Like their gesture with touching the foreheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I didn't the, even think about that. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, <laughs> I'm pretty bit. sure that I think the the comic that it came from, you know, is pretty old. Like yeah, that, that's that's what I've heard. Which is why I like I didn't want to like completely go in on him for mm-hmm. that because I I'm 99% sure certain that the source material predates Avatar. So there's a chance that James Cameron got his ideas from Valerian. Mm-hmm. But it's, especially with the they're touching the forehead and greeting and the queen's uh, dress, I guess. Yes, like it's almost it's like 90 percent accurate to the same thing in avatar and i'm watching this thinking dude this is really really similar yeah right yeah i just looked it up um it was first published in uh 1967 so definitely predates avatar by a while by a while but also too Mm -hmm. i mean that that's one of the cool things you know about you know creative mediums is it's a lot of borrowing you know, mm-hmm. nobody really like owns something. I mean, unless you like straight up, there are there's straight up ripping it off and then being inspired by. And who mm-hmm. knows? I, I haven't right. read the comic, but it's a uh, it's a French uh, graphic novel. 
I see yes, I'm is. tempted to read it now. I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. How do I get a copy? <laughs> yeah, I was well, actually at our comic shop not too long ago, and I was like, oh, I nice. might grab that. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I wanted to. Well, and depending on how, uh, how like you guys were saying, depending on how true they were to the source material, that would be really kind of cool and maybe give it more depth that they were coming up with some of these kind of interesting ideas back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is also crazy to think, too. Like, somebody was thinking this far ahead, you know, with, like, the International Space Station and stuff, you know, in the early, late 60s, early 70s, and someone's already having this idea. It's like, that. that's a oh, pretty, yeah. like, you know, you're making a lot of assumptions and leaps about space travel, technology, and, and all that. It's like, that's just wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. That's I why should, I love sci-fi. Yes. They get, they get to do that kind of stuff. They're yes. like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, yeah. at one point somebody's like, hey, there's no such thing as a submarine yet. <laughs> yeah. exactly oh, how, how many leagues can we make it go into the ocean right oh, quite a <laughs> well even like look at uh star trek you know the communicator and now cell phones right you know and it, we essentially yep. have communicators in our pockets or on our hips all the time now you know something that mm-hmm. somebody thought yeah that may never be a thing but now it's everywhere everybody has one it's yep. nuts you know and eventually holograms are like what that'll never be a thing and now we can go see tupac walking around with michael jackson <laughs> it's like say what what's this yeah. and so like it's it's that's what's so cool about sci-fi i think it's more like what sci-fi can do is i think it is it inspires science of the future i think mm-hmm. like yes. uh, i mean look at elon mm-hmm. musk you know and everything that's going on with tesla and things <laughs> like that you know the i think i saw an article somewhere they were talking about um He's, I think he's trying to tackle like public transit issues, you know, kind of like minority yeah. report style cars or shuttles that are right. fully automated underground um, runs on mm. magnets or something like that. Kind of like the mining cars in uh, in Black Panther and mm-hmm. like speed rail cars today, too. And just seeing that visualization of it, it's like, holy crap, I want to live in that world. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I want that now. I, just, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to drive again. I'll sit and just, you know, let this thing take me places. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And have like the uh like that gigantic interdimensional or multidimensional like shopping Oh, oh right. man, I am yeah, I'm like looking forward to talking about that. Center. Oh my gosh. That oh my god. Such a fun, trippy, interesting <laughs> sequence to yes. watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was well, very creative and I loved yeah, I loved that was some of the stuff and even the concept itself and then where he had his box inside his hand mm-hmm. was inside the world but not the rest of his body. And I mean mm-hmm. they just have a lot of really cool ideas that you don't see a lot in other movies that makes it fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love how they didn't really and this is something that I've really grown to appreciate in all forms of fiction and storytelling, is when you trust the audience to connect the dots where you don't over like we don't ever get an explanation <laughs> for how like the actual physics or science behind some of these devices um where you just like they tell you this is what it is this is what it does and here we'll actually activate it for you and it's it's just enough where the audience can accept it and work with it without getting lost in the details right yes. Exactly. Well, before we start getting, you know, too deep into it, we're going to go ahead and dive into the trailer here so we can start really, you know, getting into spoiler talk and just breaking this sucker down. So let's do it. If you guys have not seen Valerian or you need a bit of a refresher, we got the trailer here for you. 
city of a thousand planets. After centuries of peace and prosperity, an unknown force wants to destroy all we have created. Agents Valerian and Laureline, you have less than 10 hours to find the threat and eliminate it. Let's get to work. guys that is from luke Besson's valerian fantastic fantastic movie that is just a visual feast the storyline here is in century i don't want to read roman numerals that's too much uh the space station alpha <laughs> is a city where uh beings from different planets live together exchanging their knowledge and culture peace is granted by a human force including major valerian or yeah, piece of granted by a human force, including Major Valerian and his partner, Sergeant Loreline. They are assigned by the defense minister to retrieve the last species of a converter, a species of converter. This is not, that's just, this is just straight garbage. We're going to read this one instead. <laughs> it's like, this person did not write English well. That's not the official plot. No. All right, here we go. So a dark force threatens alpha, a vast metropolis and home to a species of a thousand planets, special operatives, Valerian and Loreline must race to identify the marauding menace and safeguard, not just Alpha, but the future of the universe. This is directed by Luke Basson and uh, stars uh, uh, Dane DeHaan, Cara Delvine, Clive Owen, Rihanna, Ethan Hawke, as well as a couple others as well. Fantastic movie, dudes. I enjoyed it. We've already been kind of rambling about it a little bit, but... Um, one of the things I kind of wanted to get into was maybe one of the coolest scenes in this entire movie was the market. We were talking yes. about that right before before the yes. trailer was the market. Mm -hmm. Now, to kind of set this up and tee this up, if you haven't seen this movie, come back later or listen to this a little bit. You know, right. this, this is... Pause. Pause yeah, pa Pause and come back <laughs> later. But, so if you're still here... Um, so the way this, the, this market is so freaking cool. What an awesome idea, especially, you know, in, uh, you know, current state of video games with VR culture and... You know, and especially with Ready Player One on the horizon. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> this idea that you can go to just this place, a random place where there's just nothing. It's just a desert with a fence. And you put on this headset, you put on this stuff that'll let you interact with the virtual world. And when you put it on, it's like New York stacked on top of Chicago, stacked on top of Beijing, stacked on yep. top of like every major city in the world, just all just multi-layered on top of each other. It that is, is a just fantastic way to describe it. Yes, it is just <laughs> wild. And all across the universe, too, everybody is plugged in as well, sharing their stuff, buying goods. Just, you know, it's it's just this melting pot of the known universe. And just seeing that, I just couldn't help but think. This is the coolest effing thing I've seen in a movie, <laughs> or at least one of the coolest ideas that I've seen visualized where I know what's going on and I'm not lost. It's like, I got mm -hmm. it. Right. Yeah. And it's, 
definitely Man. top three, honestly. If I if you really had to if you had a gun to my head and make me choose like what's some of the coolest stuff you've seen in science fiction <laughs> film, this is the market's probably top three because it's like you said, mm-hmm. it's it's such an enormously busy location, both in the in context and visually, and yet you never get lost. You always have you're grounded enough in what's going on that you don't really lose track of who's where, in what dimension, with what, you know, device. And it's it's just a stunning, stunning segment of the film and works on so many levels in ways that it probably shouldn't, actually. Mm-hmm. And yet, Luke Besson makes it work. Yes. And I think well, one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick is your comment about uh, Melting Pot. I think that's indicative of a lot of stuff in this movie because the market scene felt like when I was watching it, it felt like you took uh, Firefly, like some of the locations mm-hmm. from Firefly, mm-hmm. you took Moss Eisley and <laughs> all these other like locations throughout all these other science fiction stories that we all know and love and rolled them into one sequence. And again, it works on... I, I don't know how to describe it, but it just works in a way yes. that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I think to follow you guys on that one, like, I, I, if you guys already didn't tell, like, I'm along for the ride. All you have to tell me is, like, space, aliens, two characters that look like they're out of Mass Effect, I'm on board. So when I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of cruising along, we're enjoying it, we're enjoying it, I'm like, wait, there's a market? This is an empty desert. Like, mm-hmm. like where's the market, you know? And then <laughs> and then you finally get just the visual spectacle all mm. at once. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Like, that was like, the, the reveal for that was incredible. And then you're just immediately sucked right in. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm about it. I will not judge you. Mm. <laughs> like I, I will I will reserve all judgment until I see what you do. You know, yeah, that was that was amazing to me. Yeah, I think what's, I agree with you guys 100%. And I think what was really cool too is that when you see this market in this world, you have these kind of goofy uh, characters that are on some kind of a vacation buying a bunch of junk. <laughs> yes. You know, you're like, wow, okay, well, this is one you know, one piece of this market. And then you've got these, you know, backroom deals going on in this black market selling, and it's all part of the same world. And it makes you think like, okay, this is just a sliver that I'm getting in this one little spot. And I want to know more. I want to go back to and see what other stories are happening in this market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was really cool. He kind of created an instant depth uh, in of the story that makes you feel like you've, you've been a part of it for a long time. Mm hmm. Yeah, and kind of building on that too, just this idea of you just wanting to know more. Um, just the opening sequence of this movie, you know, with all the diff- with the the you know the International Space Station, and then just continuing to add on, add another piece, add upgrade this piece, right. upgrade this piece. More people from the world are coming up, and then we start we meet like the first intelligent life for the first time. You have the shaking of the hands and. Then you just have this montage of just things getting added, new things coming in, new species coming in, new things like that. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all I wanted to do was just go to these different quadrants of this, of alpha. It's like, I just want to look around. Can I just look around? Like, can we just pause (laughs) for a second and just walk that way and just Mm -hmm. see what we see? 
Yep. Because it, it was just love, so neat. Uh, I would love, and you know, this movie didn't really perform at the box office, so we'll probably never see it. But I would love like an Oculus Rift HTC Vive oh. like guided oh, tour. Oh my gosh! I oh would God. be all about that. That would be so cool. Someone's got to make that, even if it's in <laughs> Minecraft pieces. Somebody, Somebody out there, please get on it. <laughs> make our dreams yeah, come true. This, please do. Yes, please, yeah, I, please, please. It's like the more slice of life that we beg for, that's how I think when they know they've done it right. Mm -hmm. Like if you can just like instantly like, well, I want to see that thing over there, you know. And so it's it's mm -hmm. almost like D and D in a fashion. Your DM's like, go this way, You're like, but but what that thing over there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, like, but wait, that, wait, wait. I, I had a lot of that in, in in here with you guys. It's just like, yeah, but I want to like visit that underwater quadrant. I know I would probably drown, but I want to visit that quadrant. Mm -hmm. Like, let me go there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and when you see Major Valerian and he's like, you know, in the preview and he's like running through all the quadrants and busting through walls and he's shooting guns yep. that create steps that he can walk on. You're like, wait, wait, what? Well, how did that mm -hmm. happen? Do that again. That was amazing. Yep. Yeah. Know, just yep. kind of this instant tour of all the stuff that they can do. And like you said earlier, they're, you know, they kind of let the, let the viewer kind of accept it and not question mm -hmm. it. And, yes. uh, but they have this huge, huge repertoire of just ability and cool things that can be done. Yeah, that shot actually in the trailer was the was the specific thing where I saw that and immediately I was like, that's a movie that I'm on board for. Yes. That's mm -hmm. a movie that I want to see. Yep. And that's a movie that I want to see do well. Because I feel like we don't get a lot, at least these days, we don't get a lot of cinematic science fiction anymore. And most of what we get these days is either Star Trek or Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And this is something right. so wildly different from that yes that uh, again it's like for all the movies you know problems which i'm sure we'll get into later i'm really bummed number one i'm really mad at myself that i didn't actually catch this in theaters mm. now that i've seen it and two i'm kind of bummed that we're not gonna get any more of this world because i think there's so much here that's presented and not necessarily developed there is such fertile ground here for more narrative exploration. Mm -hmm. And I really need somebody to get on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking up the the budget for this movie was about 177 million, about I the estimate. It. The gross Damn. was about 40. Ooh. Worldwide Ooh. Was, was 225. So worldwide, pretty okay. good. So mm -hmm. world, I mean, it, it, you know, it they cleared breaking even. So mm. I wouldn't maybe fully root, root it out. I mean, kind of like, you know, with Pacific Rim, you know, if the international demand is there, um, you know, maybe I think honestly, you know, China, I think is one of the most key box office metrics to check yep. these days. Yes. Um, yeah, China saved Pacific Rim. Yeah. And so and especially like the Transformers movies as well. It it slays over there box office wise. Mm -hmm. And so but even though it's kind of the thing for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's one of those things, too, where, you know, international markets, you know, or at least the U.S. market isn't the, uh, you know, the the measuring stick anymore. And if, if a movie is going to get a sequel or if their universe is going to keep going. So well, maybe also gonna... maybe. What's also going to be interesting, I don't know if y'all have talked about this in, in, in these uh, episodes before, but now with the advent of, uh, of movie pass, you know, enabling people to go to the movie theaters for like 10 bucks a month and see unlimited movies almost. Yes. I wonder how that's going to affect, hmm. you know, a lot of this. Because, you know, me yeah. personally, 
you know, I have to kind of pick and choose my movies. Uh, and then when I got movie pass, I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'll go to the movies. I'll go see this. I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to be so choosy anymore. You see one movie you like, everything else is gravy. Right. But it's also interesting too, because I remember when this came out, like this is more, even though it's based off a graphic novel, it's still kind of an original story source. And so much of what we watch now is either, either a redo or part of a, you know, even with Marvel, I love Marvel and there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, we're just kind of used to this flavor of, of cinema where we kind of know what to expect. And Mm -hmm. so I think people are just kind of hesitant to, to take a a shot at something when they don't really know what's coming. And I think that's kind of why this probably didn't do as well. Yeah. When I went back to, to school for, you know, to, to switch into media for, for my job, um, I had a, uh, a digital video teacher that talked about, you know, the different eras of cinema, you know, you go to, you know, like the beginnings and then you have like the revival, the Renaissance, and then you have like, eventually you reach like the parody, you get like a bunch of sequelitis and then eventually you start to get to like parody and then mm-hmm. eventually you'll start to break through and then cycle back. And so yeah. it's very rare to, and that's just more like the mainstream, you know, what's kind of happening. You know, I think a good example of like, you know, finally kind of reaching the end of it with horror movies as an example, because to me, this is the easiest example. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is a movie yes. that I think is maybe <laughs> one of the is one of the best examples of a genre kind of reaching its apex. And there's not much better you can do or the, so as far as like original ideas like this is kind of the end. You know, you finally you can comment on it. You can twist it on its head a little bit but it still has its roots, but that's about as original as you can go, you know, being able to still stay within the genre while commentating on it at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that movie coming back around to uh, streaming services because that is a movie I would love to talk about because one of the best turns, you know, to steal a, a prestige <laughs> term, that is one of the best turns I've ever seen in a movie. And just, I just remember my jaw dropped going, are you freaking kidding me? Just as, and it, as it, it's like peeling an orange. It's like, yep, this is how it's done. Oh my gosh. That's why the blonde is so stupid. That's why the jock is so dumb. That's why they yep. go do this. It's ridiculous. Yep. And so every um, one of those moments, I, I laughed hysterically. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it's happening. Yeah, It's, <laughs> it's, it's so happening. good. And so with, yeah, um, I, I definitely need to actually get off my, but and watch that because I grew do it. up on horror movies, do like it. Disney movies and 80s slashers. That was my, <laughs> it's that was my so good. It's so good. But anyways, back to the Valerian. Um, you know, kind of talking about um, you know, original concepts and things like that. Um, if you guys haven't seen Fifth Element, um, that's one. It's another one directed by Luke Passan as well. Um. It's a very creature-centric movie, and I almost think Fifth Element was a little ahead of its time in terms of um, the desired output and what they were wanting to do. And I feel like Valerian was Luke Besson kind of getting a chance to go back to what he wanted to do with Fifth Element, but with better technology and have better execution on creature-building world building and being able just to get to get that right and i don't know if that was his intention i don't know if it was just a therapy thing to you know be like hey i really wanted to get a chance to do this again but you know the way that i wanted to see it realized um but this time though maybe not as much on the practical side more so on you know you know post side with you know visual effects and things like that versus practical 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, you, there's you have two examples of Luke Besson going very practical and very uh, computer heavy in terms of his characters right. and world building. And so and that's kind of, it's kind of an interesting comparison in terms of what he has done before and then what he did by today's technological abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even on that note, one of the biggest things that surprised me with this movie was just how much of it was done practically. Right. Like it, it, it brought me, it brought me back to star Wars in a way where <laughs> my, by a huge margin, my biggest gripe with the prequels and particularly with revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. was the fact that so like, not just with the aliens, the sets were all green screen. Like yeah. none of the sets were made practically maybe a couple and, pillars and that was it <laughs> yeah and like, like like it was i think i may have brought this up before i don't know this is the example i always use when talking about this but the opera scene in revenge of the sith where anakin and palpatine are talking about darth Plagueis, the chairs they are sitting on are not real <laughs> it's like how much did you need yeah. to replace but that's also i think that that's a director doubling down on believing a technology before it was ready to really mm-hmm. replace yeah. everything. And also yeah. I think another good example too, of not having anybody around to tell, to tell him no, to tell him, <laughs> well, maybe this instead, maybe this would be better. Yeah. That's an, that's an M night mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think an even bigger sense though. I mean, you know, someone like George, it's George freaking Lucas, Indiana yeah. Jones, star Wars. This guy does what he pleases. You know, yeah, but even even then, though, when you look at like it, your idea originally of like, oh well, th- this is my ability to do what I wanted originally with a different film. Mm-hmm. It's like if like Luke Besson could go back in time and go talk to George before we have like five different versions of A New Hope. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, like this would be it because it's like, look, I was able to do this. It looks good. It is passable and it's entertaining. And I didn't have to do it like multiple times like mm-hmm. this would be the example it would be like valerian like if you guys can go go watch fifth element watch this you're like oh yeah you can see where he's improved or maybe changed how his style of doing it but it's like yeah like don't don't change too much like you can probably <laughs> like hopefully have at least one person that can say no 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 let him build the chair it's okay yeah okay. you know <laughs> also too i think as far as like with visual effects my my stance has always been the same on this i think do everything practically that you can use yes. visual effects to help sell what isn't there yes. and to help make what's practical look that much more real i think one of the best examples of this is the very first jurassic park when mm-hmm. you look at that movie yeah. so many dinosaurs are practical on the on the close-ups and a lot of what was used to accentuate it were, you know, the very small biological things like helping pupils look like they're supposed to look, helping skin just look a little bit better in terms of, you know, how it's reacting to rain or something else that was brought to it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it just just to make that one thing that definitely looks real and make it feel mm-hmm. like it's a real part of the space. I mean, that's, you know, I think. I think that's the a good gold standard because Jurassic Park, the very first one, still looks phenomenal. That mm-hmm. that's a movie that has st- that has stood the test of time visually. I think the only scene for me that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, I think, is when you see the Brontosaurus for the first time. Yeah, or the Brachiosaurus. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. 
Well, it's just the technology, you know, at the time, I think, is the stage. But at the rest of the Mm -hmm. film, though, for that time, for the 90s, it's like, this is amazing. Especially when you compare it to some movies today, it's like, this movie is running circles around you and came out about 20 (laughs) years before you did. And they did it with less. And that's amazing. I mean, that's Spielberg, you know, 101, because he he took like the Velociraptor scene, right? Mm -hmm. And you have the close up of of the foot. And the clicking. Just. Yeah, and the clicking. Yeah. And that's all it took to scare the crap out of every kid in America, you know? It's right. Like, mm-hmm. He didn't have yes. to get all, you know, too tech with it. Right, or like, yeah. I don't need to show the full raptor the entire scene. We can just show yeah. itty-bitty parts that are going to give you, like, mm-hmm. the scary thought of the boogeyman, but we don't need to show you the boogeyman just yet. Very much like Jaws. Another, yeah, another I was Spielberg actually just going to I think, yes. I think Jaws is where he actually picked that up because the original plan for Jaws was to show the shark a lot more and they couldn't do it because the shark wouldn't work 90% of the time. Bruce can't make it. We can't yeah. do this. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. And so and, like the visual effects within Valerian, I think, um, you know, practically, I think they sold what they needed to, especially with the set and the the rooms yeah. and everything, you know, not going full, you know, prequel Star Wars where everything is replaced. I think what right. was there looked great. You know, I loved mm-hmm. the, the set design and just the costumes, the tech the tech seemed plausible. You know, nothing yes. really seemed... I think the one of the few things that seemed just insane is the in the market, again, the the, the box that would let you basically <laughs> kind of go through Split other dimensions. dimensions. Yeah, yeah, basically like a legit portal gun, but it's like a portal <laughs> box, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But at the same time, it's like, okay, that seems like a bit of a stretch, but everything else was seemed totally plausible. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that's something like much of a stretch as it may have been. I was willing to go along with it because it's so clearly necessary for the plot to function. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're like, okay, I, I can stretch my suspension of disbelief just that little bit further because it's clear that they need this. Right, exactly. Because honestly, I'll, I'll go one step further. I would say that without the tech, the mm-hmm. sort of the trans-dimensional tech, yeah. the, the whole idea of the market itself just falls apart. Right. Like, why, right. why bother going if you can't bring things back? Mm-hmm. Worst shopping trip ever. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. the grandpa would say it was the worst shopping trip. Yeah, that's true. They, had, they could bring things back. Absolutely. So, can, can we get, like, a Marvel one-shot style short film just about those two characters? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be hilarious. That would be great. But um, it has to also involve the fallen creature from the uh, show. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. yes, it does. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. Um, so I guess kind of going into, I don't know, some of the few things that I had issues with. And honestly, to me, it's only just a few. I wasn't bothered by too much from this film. Um, the casting choice for Valerian and Loreline and the dialogue felt more <laughs> mature than who I was seeing it be delivered by. I felt like I was looking at very young people who maybe probably should have been played by much older people. And this maybe comes down to direction or something like that, but it almost felt like almost out of place. I don't know. Like the only, the, the only way I could think of to describe it is the words that are coming out of your mouth sound like they should be somebody that's about maybe another five, 10 years older than you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. Like after, now that you say it, because I, I initially thought, I'm like, man, it's just something seems off to me m- more with Valerian. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. When you when you say like, yeah, the, the dialogues they are having, it's like, hmm, really? Because 
You're wait, you're a major? Dude, you look like you just like are sleep deprived and you know forgot to pass muster as a cadet. Yeah, like, it looks like you just need a couple like, red bulls to get through your college midterms. It's mm-hmm. like it's like really? Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of of two minds on that because the the one review that I did read for Valerian just blasted Dane DeHaan and uh Cara Delevingne mm-hmm. in their roles. So I, I, in a way, I went in with really low expectations for these characters. Yeah. And in that regard, I was actually pretty surprised that I didn't, like, I was actually really on board for them and their relationship. And the only thing that really bugged me, which kind of speaks to the the only real thing that really bugs me about Valerian overall, is... I feel like there's a lot of history to both of these characters that we don't get yes. in the movie, yes. which explains uh, why they are as young as they are and still in as high positions as mm-hmm. they are. Because I, I very much got the sense that uh, at the very least Valerian was a bit of a child military prodigy almost. Yeah, kind of like, like, like Ender's you know, Game kind of. Yeah, yeah, like a Ender Wigan and Ender's Game or something like that. Someone that's incredibly yeah. talented that climbed fast. The thing that irritates me, though, is I feel like they could, whoever was writing this couldn't figure out, and maybe this is uh, an issue of trying to adapt or maybe even condense a graphic novel, is they couldn't decide exactly what kind of hero they wanted Valerian to be. Mm. He seems to bounce through a couple of different types of characters over the course of the film which almost lost me about halfway through mm-hmm. um because it's really hard for me to pin down exactly where it was but there was such a wild shift in his character where he starts out as this kind of like almost han solo-ish wise ass yeah that's yes. exactly what i was thinking yep. i'm so on board for i'm <laughs> yep. so on board for that but then he goes about halfway two-thirds of the way through the film he goes way straight laced and serious and i'm like what yeah Uh, Yeah, like hey i I need you to get serious if we're gonna get together and get married all right done wait a minute yeah and and it's it's a bit (laughs) too easy (laughs) it's a bit of it's a bit of character tonal whiplash that i didn't i didn't quite get i wasn't quite on board for and it it speaks to a level that there's just a few things about this film that I feel like they couldn't quite make their mind up on and that they mm-hmm. changed direction overall uh about half I'd say about halfway through uh the movie and then they kind of circle back again to where they started and it was for me it was most noticeable with Dane DeHaan and his character because Lorelai stayed really consistent throughout the film and mm-hmm. She I've didn't. never felt sorry for another character more. <laughs> I, I agree with kind of what y'all are saying. The thing, I didn't even pick up on the fact that he was having kind of uh, almost identity issues with how they were kind of portraying him. But what what I got a little bit lost on is that they were, they were working really hard to sell the relationship between the two of them. And it just felt either too forced or just kind of campy. But I thought maybe that's on purpose at the same time, you mm-hmm. know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, genre. There he is. There he is. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I just didn't know if that was maybe part of the genre that they were just trying to play into that, just making a very cheesy, kind of campy 
a relationship or what are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I think there's, this is probably one of the more reasons why I was on board for Dane DeHaan's character as he's initially presented is that it is kind of a thing of the genre to have this like super hot shot talks the talk but can actually walk the walk type of character <laughs> mm -hmm. who thinks he can kind of get away with murder with you know his relationships yeah and right, so right i i was totally on board for his being like this cocky you know you know you want me we're gonna get married and we're gonna have a bunch of kids and yeah it's gonna be great like i was totally on board for that at first mm -hmm. and then he goes from like zero to a hundred instantly from acting like saying this but not really backing it up with action yes right she's suddenly not saying it as much but then backing it up with all the action and it's like dude are you even the same guy like what am right. i <laughs> what memo did i miss yeah i agree mm -hmm. and i think that's part of just i think this is a good example maybe of maybe so much source material trying to get crammed in here because we right. want to make this into a franchise that I think a lot of what would have been growth for Valerian and the relationship that he had with everybody else mm -hmm. maybe could have been stretched out over maybe a film or two. And mm -hmm. I feel I like agree. we had to, we ended up making that leapfrog jump that maybe was intended to happen over a series of other events. But for the sake of getting this in one shot, we've got yeah, to have him just you know, grow up a little bit quickly. Right. And I think that yeah. that kind of hurt it as well. And I, I think that's one of my bigger gripes with this movie is I loved what I got to see. I loved the world. I want to go back. I want to see it again. I want to see yeah. just everything that's going on with alpha just because of the nature of it is it lends itself to a very Rick and Morty style, you know, <laughs> issue where you, your limit on what you can have in this world is kind of up to what you can think of, you know, mm -hmm. which is a right. great playground in terms of the way the rules are set up. You know, For the way sure. it's structured is like you have infinite possibilities here, which is fantastic. Um, I would imagine for a, for a writer is like, oh, hey, yeah. this is kind of your rules. They're very basic, but you essentially mm -hmm. get full creative freedom here to kind of make a species and just kind of just go with it. Oh yeah, I, I could go to town in a world like Valerian. Like you, yeah. you give me the keys to that kingdom, and I'm not leaving for a good long while. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. so many different toys I could play with in that sandbox. Absolutely, and so it was. I think yeah, that's. I think that's my my biggest criticism of the movie is just a little too bloated, a little too much, trying to squeeze into you yeah. know just a few mm -hmm. hours. Um, yeah. One one final thing that I want to throw out there though is that as as much as I rag on the the writing of uh, Valerian specifically, I actually think that he that Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne I actually really like their chemistry together when the script let it work, like that opening scene with like them on the beat the beach sort of wrestling with each other over the drinks and arguing over who's going to yeah, do what. That felt authentic. I that scene. And like, they had such great chemistry there mm -hmm. and the script, let them have it. They, it, it let that work. And then you have other bits in the movie. And again, uh, the throne room uh, fight sequence was another great scene where I felt like they had this really great chemistry after Valerian's kind of, you know, jumped ahead five years in his maturity level. Yes. I right, really enjoyed right. that bit as well. Mm -hmm. And to your point, uh, Cap, about wanting to see more of the world, 
one of the things that I, especially having watched Altered Carbon, which I have a whole string of really strong opinions on, um, but after watching Altered Carbon on Netflix, when I got to the end of the movie, I actually got a little bit mad that this didn't come out in time to be like a Netflix show. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Altered Carbon <laughs> has the same kind of like high futuristic style with effects that are good enough to support it Mm-hmm. And you also get the same kind of, uh, it gives you that much more time to play around with the world because, you know, kind of back to what I was saying earlier about halfway, two thirds of the way through the film, it, it feels like if this were a Netflix series, there's about five or six episodes that got cut so they could turn this into a movie instead of a show. Yeah, it's almost like, oh crap, we ran mm-hmm. out of budget. Well, we're just going to turn this into into something mm-hmm. else. So yeah, I, I don't know if it'll ever be in the cards, but you know, if if Luke Besson ever wants to come back to this world, dude, oh, call yeah. up Netflix. They'll, yeah, they'll, please, yeah. please, please bring this to Netflix. Actually, I would love to see this as a Netflix show. Totally. Um, one of the things I thought was kind of, I don't know, it almost felt maybe a little bit too tropey, but uh, you know, Clive Owen's character as the bad guy. I love Clive Owen. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a fantastic actor, I, especially Children of Men. That's one of my favorite movies. I love Children yes. of Men. Um, but it almost felt just a little bit, it, it's a overdone kind of thing. Big guy in charge, wants to cover stuff up. It kind mm-hmm. of resurfaces, and now we have to deal with it. Um, yeah. And I, I think I think that still could have worked for Valerian, Mm-hmm. But that almost more than Valerian as a character, I think is the biggest victim of how bloated uh, this film is mm-hmm. because it's that storyline that explains why the opening sequence with the pearls is important. Mm-hmm. But that gets yes. left on the floor and in the shadows for so long. You almost forget that when yeah. it comes back around. You, it's a bit blindsiding because yeah. you feel like the movie between those two sequences has been telling a completely different story. Yes, I, I, I agree with that point because I, I I knew it, but didn't know how to connect it to that point. When you get that opening sequence, you're like, this is a human problem. Yeah, like, mm. like you, you immediately know, oh, great we're not so good <laughs> yeah like, like we screwed up <laughs> yeah like but the ships are falling down i knew immediately okay this right here is the central conflict of the film right because mm. you don't actually the film doesn't tell you that itself until like two-thirds of the way through the film right you're like oh wait hold we had this whole problem we were dealing with mm-hmm. oh, okay uh it and i i feel like they also had uh potential besides like accelerating maybe the tonal change larian like you have the idea that okay if you're gonna play it suddenly very straight laced then maybe you have almost the point where you could have them not be as naive if you've like shot up through the ranks you're a major you're like a special agent not even just a major yeah you really get what's going on then maybe you should have some issues almost in the way that like Cap does in Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Like, oh God, Shield and all this stuff isn't is what I thought it was. It should be like Valerian should be like, oh God, the commander is not the straight laced guy that I I really thought it was. Yeah. What are we really doing? Mm-hmm. And you, and you get a little bit of that with with uh, Lorelai uh, towards the end. It's like, no, 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 you're not actually choosing to do the right thing. Like you're trying to be straight laced, 
but that's not the actual option you need to choose. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, could we have played that a little harder? (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like, you know, there should be a little bit more distress with something when, you know, your your convictions or like the structure of your world starts to fall down. Somebody should maybe kind of be a little bit more distressed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, There should be a little bit more something there. Um, I thought, uh, honestly, Rihanna's character, I thought was quite fun. Yeah, I, I really, I was, oof. I love Rihanna. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm having like a really like negative on the face of it reaction. No, that's fine. I really loved Rihanna's character. Like, I love the way they presented her. I love the way they yes. did the reveal of her true nature. I loved her contribution in the throne room fight. Yes. So good. I was pissed with what happened coming out of the uh, the junk pile. Yes. Like I just yes. oh, I was Same so mad. Reaction. It's like okay. Number one, the this character hasn't been around long enough for killing them off to really hit home. And at the same time, I was really angry that they did it because I'm like, no, this character is too cool. This character is too cool to be a one-trick pony like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was I was secretly hoping that they were gonna somehow take her along uh, with them, and mm-hmm. this could have been like, hey, this will be like your your third character if you do another yes, Valerian. Exactly. Yeah, basically like that Chewbacca, right? And it's like, oh yeah, so you know Valerian how you look. She's gonna tell you so every time. So every time you mess with Lorelai, she's gonna know, mm-hmm. and it would be an awesome awesome dynamic. And then it's like, or we could turn you into sand. Yep. Great. <laughs> yeah. Really mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was maybe maybe that was just in the source material and they were just kind of hammering through it or something. Because I agree with you. It's like she was around enough, long long enough to care, but not enough to be devastated when she was gone. Other than the fact that you still wanted her to be a part of the the show, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> Rice has a good point up here. It's a Luke Besson film. The blue singer ladies die. Yeah, sad but true. Sad but true. <laughs> yes, oh, man. I, Liara for sure. Yeah. So I have a question. Sure. What was uh for for y'all side? What was your favorite like creature that he created? Uh, individual creature. creature. You know what? I'll I'll come out and say it first. Bubble. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Honestly, I liked just the uh, the entire race that we get in the opening film. You know, I mean, it's yeah, very akin to Avatar, the Pearl people, and and all that. I can't remember mm-hmm. what they were specifically called. The um, pearls. Yeah, they called them pearls. Okay, but like just their <laughs> original. Yeah, but just like the way that it was, they're so educated, and you know, when they're when they're exiled on that ship, essentially, you know, when their whole world crumbles, and they kind of are on this arc for you know lack of better comparison and they you know reverse engineer how to fix everything and they just survive on it you know it's a very intelligent people but to a a prejudiced eye you're gonna say ah these people don't know what they're doing they got spears and sticks and are barely clothed they're almost all naked Mm. and by the same time it's like these are some of the most intelligent beings in the universe they just totally picked everything up and you know, hotwired this spaceship to work to where they could live on it and continue the existence of their people. Mm-hmm. And also yep. were able to create a buffer inside a space station with an infinite number of other species and not be detected. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I, they were, I think my favorite to see visually. Cause I thought it was just, it was unique. It was cool coloring. It was, 
you know, very pearl-esque in the purples and white and just the, you know, light blues, very much like a pearl and how that also mm-hmm. translated to just the, the actual pearls, you know, being, you know, the essence of their, you know, survival and giving back to the planet, but also just in terms of their, uh, their skin tone as well. And just kind of how mm-hmm. they, they really embraced that with the design too. Yep. Yes. The, 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 honestly, the, I agree 110% with everything you said. The only reason why they're not my favorite as well is because my first impression was so strong of Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> that it, it just, I couldn't, like, they're, they're number two for me. Like, I, if I, if I, if I hadn't seen Avatar, mm-hmm. then yeah, number one far and away. But it's just like, for me personally, I just, I can't get over, coincidental or not, I can't get over the similarities. Yeah. Totally understandable. Yeah. I think, uh, to follow I, i'm with you cap like the pearls it's just like visually stunning looking aliens i'm like you look like a pearl i i will have to get over the fact that humanity could not come up with a better name yeah <laughs> um you know I'm sure we are we alien, are dumb enough i think we would pick awesome. something like that <laughs> you know like, well what's it look like a pearl okay we're going with that you know but <laughs> but yeah for the same reason it's just like that the opening sequence with, with the the princess in in this case uh you know and that that slice of life of like this is what it means to be part of their culture and giving back and literally harvesting pearls and like I'm like i want to be there like mm-hmm. yeah just, can you yeah just leave me there i'll just watch i won't even do anything i just want to check it out and I'll maybe like try to find a way before the spaceships crash, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. I, I would totally uh, have them as my top alien. This movie. So for me, I loved the, uh, the throne people or whatever you call them. I don't know. <laughs> yes. They were, they were, <laughs> they were ridiculous in how they looked, but what I loved is how hilarious uh, that whole sequence was and how much mm-hmm. you learn about them with complete nonverbal communication right mm-hmm. their eyes and how goofy they are it was almost like a muppet type uh interaction <laughs> yeah, with it does. how that was all going but i just i thought it was hilarious and then it the the king you know he's like eh, eh, you know doing his whole thing <laughs> and he has that he has that kind of cigar cutter thing and i'm like oh my Ooh. god yeah yeah oh <laughs> that man. was like when i saw I that, love coming, that. Like, oh god ridiculously sized hat makes sense <laughs> yeah, I loved the uh, the one of those monsters that um, that was trying to get Loreline dressed up, and was just coming. It was like a it was like a giant puppy dog, just like yeah, yep. yes, you were this. <laughs> and it, was just, it was so innocent and just ridiculous at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. And then yeah, when they roar, just, though, it's like oh, yeah, it, it yep. takes you back a little bit. But the Steel Man, Matt, what you were saying earlier about the Muppets, I didn't actually get put the dots together until you said that but that whole throne room sequence really reminds me of jim henson yeah fraggle like, rock just, just <laughs> <laughs> i was watching that and i'm thinking like this reminds me of something i feel like i've seen it somewhere before and for whatever reason it made me think of the dark crystal <laughs> oh yes yes oh my gosh talk about a throwback dark crystal that's funny mm-hmm. yeah i could totally see that Gosh, I need to rewatch Dark Crystal. So do I. I haven't seen that in forever. <clears throat> forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I thought the soundtrack was pretty solid. Uh, but I think we're all kind of in agreement that, you know, some of the biggest flaws in this movie were a lot of 
trying to cover a lot of ground almost a little bit too quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But visually, I think we were all pretty, pretty happy with what we got to see oh, in terms yeah. of all oh, the different, yeah. you know, creatures, the world building and stuff. I mean, oh yeah, yes, we science Hollywood science fiction absolutely needs more of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, to double down on the visuals, I can't name him by name because. I, I I don't want to out people on the internet because because <laughs> that gets back to you. Uh, yep. But I, I I know somebody that got to work on said film. Oh, cool. And nice. I was let's just I'm very happy to see that their ability to draw spaceships came in handy because <laughs> I love the visual design of all the ships in the in the film. Oh, very and cool. It's like can't have space without really good spaceships. You know? no, yeah, you absolutely, you really can't. Yeah, like and that's the other thing too that you know aside from the visuals too, the tech was so unique. Um, they were they were just so fun, and honestly too, I I agree, and I'm curious, you know, what was left on the cutting room floor? You know, Baby Rice was saying in chat, I have a feeling, I wonder what a director's cut of this film would be like. You know, kind of like mm -hmm. you know with Blade Runner, but right. you know how much was left out that maybe could have filled a lot of what we feel are fast transitions or fast character growth. That maybe would, could have given us, you know, the the experience for those people that we needed, but we just mm -hmm. we unfortunately didn't get to see in our theatrical cut, you know, as the right. as the audience in the end. You know, maybe that stuff was shot, maybe it was done, but ultimately it was removed for the sake of time or for the sake of just hitting a certain, you know, deadline or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I would absolutely be down for a Lord of the Rings style extended oh my cut. Goodness. Oh yes, give me an extra movie. two hours. Yeah. Sure, I'll yes, do it. Absolutely. Why not? Yep. And that that's honestly like one of my biggest like hearing that you know anytime a movie gets made and they say that you know we had to cut these scenes for time <laughs> breaks my heart mm -hmm. because I, I it, it as someone who's uh, growing up with attention deficit disorder, I, I find it irritating, for lack of a better word, that you know I can struggle to pay attention to a lot. Like it takes a lot to get me to focus on any one thing for a greatly extended period of time. Yeah. So when I hear that people who do not have attention deficit disorder can't be bothered to sit through you know two and a half hours of film or more than that for a better story <laughs> it, it's like it, it hits a nerve that i don't know how to articulate but it's like sure. you, you mean to tell me that i as someone who loves storytelling and has real struggles maintaining focus on things i lost out on a great story because someone who can focus for extended periods of time just doesn't want to <laughs> yeah well, that kind of comes down to like our comparison a little bit earlier too with you know different kinds of food and also different kinds of film as well you know i mm. think you have um you know you have your movie goer that kind of just doesn't care and is just in it just for whatever they're there for you know their hour and a half you know traditional break and then you know you have people that you know are like us and other people that are movie fans too that you know we're willing to sit there for two and a half hours if you take me on a good journey you know, we're willing mm -hmm. to give it a shot. Yeah. So, but the, yeah. Thus far, the only the only movie that I've seen that has been potentially too long, even for me, was the extended cut of Return of the King. 
like that, that movie's feathering on like five hours long and don't I'm like, care I got... don't care i need that i need that last hour to cry i need it every time like no, i need to I'm say not... goodbye to everybody five times yep, yes. like maybe i need to watch it again but i remember when it when the extended cut first came out of return of the king and i finally watched it even i got to a point where i'm like is it over yet yeah I, I kind of want to do some other things with my day. It's like I need to pee. Mm -hmm. Let's let's yeah. wrap this yeah. up here. <laughs> I need I need to use the bathroom, please. Let's go. But yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's also too. It's a good example, you know. There, it is a fine line that you have to walk with movies. You know, you you don't want to overstay your welcome. Mm -hmm. You do want to leave people. You, I guess maybe leaving them wanting more maybe isn't the best goal to shoot for every time. I would say make an experience that's gonna make that's going to leave the theater with everybody else. You know, the conversation's going to keep going. And I think that's mm -hmm. a movie that has done something right. You know, kind of like with this movie as well, you know, this movie leaves a lot to talk about. And I think that's, that's kind of a good thing. You know, a lot of us are gamers and a lot of us, you know, have roots in playing a game called destiny, a game that we all want more yep. story of, but because mm -hmm. there's a lot of good bones, we talk, we enjoy talking about it. And, yes. you know, it's I think Valerian and, you know, Destiny could maybe share they share some similar experiences in the sense that there's there's a lot going on. But, you know, maybe mm -hmm. we were left, you know, wanting, you know, either a better structure or maybe a different structure of it at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, the little uh, I don't know if addendum is the right word, but the way that I would phrase it was leave me wanting more because I enjoyed what I got that much, not because I feel like things were left out. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. You know, it's to kind of tie it back to gaming, you know, don't cut out the last two levels of a video game so you can sell them as DLC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Dang just, EA. just give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Well, dudes, um, unless you guys have any uh, final thoughts, I think that might do it for us on, uh, um, on Valerian. Well, what you got, Gaming Rice Author? brought up a point about the the ship's ai yeah i wanted to comment on that too the that actually felt really redundant to me like that whole section where they're flying through and the ship's ai is oh uh, that, that big them. exposition dump that whole <laughs> scene really that was the first time the movie almost lost me was because it's like these are two people who have been working on this station for probably their whole lives. They probably know what's going on. They know yeah. all this. They and should. it's one of those yeah. situations where you really need an audience identifier character who hasn't maybe been to Alpha, who doesn't know Alpha, and they're telling all of this information that they already know to them and maybe yes to tie it back to the central conflict a little bit maybe they found another pearl or one of the pearls that was in the market gets on their ship somehow to follow the converter or and maybe as you're flying in they're going through audio logs or video logs of right reports that are happening like hey you know there's this weird thing happening you know on this these certain sections of alpha you know mm -hmm or things like that. Like there's different ways to give us some exposition, but can keep us moving along, but also give us time too to understand how everybody thinks, you know, right. give us, give us some time to, you know, do some character building here and world building, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone here that yeah. gives you a chance to maybe also interact with other people that are, you know, in that same, you know, 
that same force that are on Alpha, you know, getting a better chance to maybe get to know Clive Owen's character a little bit more. Right. Or, mm -hmm. um, oh gosh, can't remember his name, but, um, it was either the, the sergeant or the other general that was the general. On the, yeah. Uh, was on yeah the station yeah, with the, the red general. hair. Um, yeah. yeah, that guy, you know, you could have this guy delivering, you know, they're, you know, this is what's happened since you've been gone. This is the reports, you know, for the day, you know, we're having some issues yep. with such and such, you know, Nailed that, it. yeah. Right. We could rewrite Valerian. Oh my Absolutely. God. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not busy. <laughs> I could, I could do this for you. We could do this for you. Totally. Yeah, I do it pro bono. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. If it if it meant that I get uh, the perfect version of this film, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. That that'd be payment enough for me. Absolutely. Well, all right, dudes. Um, I think that's gonna do it for us on uh on another wonderful episode of AV Club. I appreciate gaming author Dorcius and Steelman Bat. Thank you guys so much for coming back out. No, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Love Thank it, man. Love it. it. Yeah, it was great having you guys back on. It's always fun to just talk movies with you guys. It's so fun. I enjoy it a whole bunch. Uh, but before we uh, before oh, yeah. we close out, um, where can we find all of you wonderful people on the internet if you want to be found? Gaming author, <laughs> where, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me right here on uh, Twitch at slash the gaming author, twitch.tv slash the gaming author. I'm on Twitter at the gaming author. And I also have uh, my own website where I do uh, blog posts about my writing and other things going on in that nature. I have a couple short stories posted up there. Uh, it's quillsandcontrollers.wordpress.com. Um, I don't know if I can like put that in chat or include it somewhere else sure i'll make sure everything makes it to the uh to the description so that it's it yeah. gets tagged in uh in all the podcast uh stuff yeah, I, know, I know cools and controllers is a bit of a mouthful but you know, <laughs> I, I like it i like it kind of as a as a website name and as a brand because it ties my writing in with my gaming totally which, you know being the gaming author you know it's kind of there important to make sure those things are very clearly tied together i dig it i like the dual purpose smart <clears throat> so smart dorsius where can we find you man uh you can also find me here on and then you can also find me on Twitter at Dorcius. Oh, I think uh, we lost you in the first part. No, <laughs> you can find me here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dorcius. Awesome. Good deal. And uh, Steelman, I guess we could find you lurking in chat, right? Unless you're going to start broadcasting sometime <laughs> soon, right? That's exactly right. I'm a follower who, who loves to lurk. <laughs> Very cool. But man. yeah. Twitch, awesome. wouldn't, Twitch wouldn't be able to survive without its lurk. Yes. Yeah, lurk is love, right. lurk is life, man. And guys, I'm Captain McFly. You can find me here on this channel at Captain McFly. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Captain McFly TV. Um, you can also find me on YouTube as well. And you can find this podcast on all major podcast services. So iTunes, Google Play, Anchor. Uh, looking at potentially pushing out to Podbean pretty soon. Just need to look at it, how to do all that good stuff. Um, if you can leave a review, let us know what you think. Uh, even if you give us one star, tell us why that way we can keep, uh, making changes here. And if you also would like to email some feedback, you can send it to me at captain McFly TV at gmail.com. And, uh, we are going to jump into playing a little bit of monster hunter a little bit later. So if you do listen to this on a, uh, on a podcast service and you like watching live stuff and video games and things like that, or you want to catch it live, you can, you can join us here in chat and we could chit chat about the movies and also play some games together and uh, as well as joining these other fine gentlemen as well. So we will be back again with a new movie coming up. Uh, not 
quite sure what it's going to be. I need to see what's coming and going to Netflix and Prime. So keep your eyes peeled on Twitter for that announcement. But uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Peace. See ya.